Hello, friends. Happy Friday to all. This is Kirk Henderson from MavsMoneyBall.com, hosting Radio Free Mavs, which this uh, recording will probably have about a four-hour lifespan. But you know what? I'm here, and I'm getting things set up. So very sorry to Jeff, uh, who notes in the chat that before I start talking, you can hear me breathing. I will do my best to mute myself before going live. and I have to throw it up on Twitter, throw it up on a couple other places to make sure people who want to join can, because sometimes the notifications do not work. Um, we've had a nice couple of days of, of you know opportunities to ponder and overreact to the first preseason game. Um, I would say that the kind of the biggest takeaway from non-Mavericks fans in my life was everyone really latched on to that Jason Kidd quote uh, about, you know, how the Mavericks are going to play relative to jump shots, which I think Mavs fans um, who are not as versed in kind of modern analytics really like what he has to say. And that seems to be the majority of the fan base, if I'm being honest. And I'm going to be curious to see how it actually works out because the Mavericks are not necessarily designed to play, you know, a particular, you know, outside of this way. They have two ball handlers who can dribble and pass um, with Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson. And Jalen Brunson obviously looked really, I thought he looked great the other night. Um, Some really nice reads or just just enough off ball action to where, I'm not willing to say anything about, you know, the offense with so little tape. I'm going to need to see at least five games. Um, Other than that, you know, everybody got out healthy and I've just been thinking about the way um, things have gone and I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, what's coming, uh, what's coming next. So if you have any comments or thoughts or questions, why don't you invite yourself up here and I will go through folks and we will, uh, I don't know, try to enjoy a little bit of a Friday afternoon chat um, because it'll be the last Maverick game until uh, Wednesday. And then on on Wednesday, they play at 5.30 in the afternoon, um, which is, you know, that's going to be one where I don't know how we're going to cover it as a site because our entire site has jobs and such and, you know, just getting, uh, you know, figuring out what we want to, um, how we're able to cover it is sometimes not the easiest. Um, let's see here if there was really any other news. I don't know. What do you guys got? Anybody want to come up? So far, no. Matt, you tell me you don't have anything to say. You just wrote a, a column, which I can't wait for people to read, but I'm going to sit on it for uh, for a while. Matt wrote a column, uh, a stats-based column, just like interesting things to consider that I'm going to break out uh, right before the season starts. Uh, coming up first is Frank. Hi, Frank. How are you? Hit that unmute button down there at the bottom because sometimes it insta-mutes you. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, what's going on, man? Been listening forever, man. Thanks for joining. Have you seen Herala uh, Bus on Twitter going back and forth with uh, Istok? You know, now that uh, I have. the muzzle's off now, huh? Istok is delighted. What's that, that? The muzzle is off that guy, huh? Yeah, I mean, I thought the comments that he was making, though, were pretty on point. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he stayed really... within context. He wasn't being petty or anything. Just just, just the whole point, yeah. you know, typically those guys, they disappear, you know what I mean? And then... Yes. Well, I mean, his whole deal, and, and he's even commented to this since then, was when he was making all of his money, he was on Twitter and was just vicious about coaches. 
um, to the point to where like people are going back and finding stuff from like 2014, 15. And now he seems to be like a little bit like he's reined himself in, which um, is a lesson I could learn. Uh, but he, he, I, I really like what he and his talk were talking about. I think that like the, that kind of discussion of, you know, secondary playmaker is just going to be one that hangs out for a while until they, they figure out what's going on. Um, you know, I thought like Bullock actually hit a jumper off of the dribble in the preseason game, which I just, I remember thinking like that just doesn't happen. Like almost it was, it was a self-created shot, which, you know, I think it's the, the percentage of his makes last year, like 92 or 93% of his buckets were assisted, which is really funny, but uh, it's, it's good to see, you know, I, I got to tease this talk about that because he loves the uh, – he might even be on here. He loves uh, Twitter, and I'm always like, hey, save that. Write an article. Write an article. But it's, it's tough <laughs> to do. Well, I hadn't even heard of, of, of Bob until uh, Jake Kemp on the on the ticket brought him up, and I'm like, all right, cool. I thought maybe they were just trying to fill, you know, the radio with content. You know, it's it was slow or whatever. And then, you know, not even a few months later, the the article comes out about, you know, the, the toxicity. And, you know, it's just been an avalanche of Bob ever since. And, you know, it's – it's just funny. He's off the ledger now and he's, you know, he still has a presence, even though he could be, you know, just off into the wind, you know, but. Well, I've, you know, I mean, I'm the closest thing I can do to breaking news. I've actually exchanged some messages with him. He shot me some notes to just correct some points of fact whenever I kind of had some information wrong. Um, I don't necessarily think he got a bad rap. I think that in hindsight, you know, there's a little bit of institutional inertia that had gone on with the Mavericks for too long where Cuban just, you know, he brought in the guy, but then between, you know, they just, they had this really kind of odd haphazard leadership structure, which when you don't have firm roles, people are going to like mission creep is going to happen. And I don't know if, if, like it, Tim's article really does in, ret- in hindsight paint things as, as extremely toxic, but I do, I just think it was weird. And I also think that the fact that there's so many games crammed together and there were some slight injury issues and, you know, Luca was not in his best shape and was also, I think, fed up with a number of things by season's end. Um, it just, it all kind of boiled over. I mean, the Mavericks had needed some of this for a while. Like they, Carlisle was, I think, I think we're going to miss Carlisle in the playoffs. I do not think we will miss Carlisle at all during the regular season. So, you know, it all ends well. Um, I, I, you know, like contrary to what a lot of the internet thinks, like Cuban literally would not let him go. So he was not fired. Like he asked out of his contract and he wouldn't, he wasn't able to let go. Like he, he wasn't let out. It was, it was pretty, it was something that Mark wanted to hold on to him probably either for a competitive advantage and wanted to go to another team. But I mean, I think the guy is kind of like part of my interruption. The conspiracy person believes that that's the narratives are ridiculous. Like there's, they can say what they want. I believe that he just gave him and and I, and I could be wrong. This is just the conspiracy in me. Um, Sure. He gave him a chance to kind of go out on his own terms. He wasn't going to fire the the only chance. You know, the, the loyalty in Dallas, man, with Jerry Jones and the way they treat sure. players, it, it is it is so rare that a city, one, one sport, much less several sports uh, franchises and within the same city, coincidentally, shows the level of loyalty that our city does to its to just its personnel in general, players, personnel, it doesn't matter. And I, I think that he, yeah. granted – the the betting man in me believes that what you're saying is probably the more act you know the thing I put my money on but 
the conspiracy theorist in me says mm-hmm. he was given the chance to kind of go out on his own terms. The writing was on the wall. You could see it. Luca was not hiding his displeasure whatsoever. Luca, you know, he tells you to jump. You ask, you know, we ask how high. Sure. Yeah, that that sure. Out to it. And, I'll, and I'll go and I'll let you kind of just conclude this. But uh, that, that that's my whole thoughts on, uh, on Carlisle. He, he gave him his farewell and, you know, and I guess maybe Donnie yeah. was the fallout guy because it was maybe he, he needed to show some, I don't know. I can go on and on about it, but Rick got It's him, so weird. I'm just glad the Mavericks. Well, thank you for joining us, Frank. I appreciate it. Number one. Yes, sir. Um, the, the, the thing that, uh, that I'm glad about is that the Mavericks got all that out of the way, um, with some of the things that are going on with other teams, the Sixers for one, and then the Wolves and just, I'm so glad there wasn't drama leading into the season because right now everything is primarily basketball focused and that's just, just kind of a delight. Um, friend of the chat, our friend of the program, Ethan notes in the chat that so much for October 1st, tragic to Dallas, um, it's it's one of these things, Ethan. I'm just when the Sixers make a play and like he ends up in Toronto and Ben Simmons ends up in Toronto and Dragic is part of that deal. I'm going to scream, okay? Like just like rage blackout because if he's good enough for the Sixers and that sort of trade, then he should have been good enough for the Mavericks. We could part with Dwight Powell and whoever else. Ugh, I don't know. It just uh, just kind of drives me nuts. Um, but right now, I'm not really going to uh, worry about Dragic too much. I will focus on that a little bit more through the regular season. Um, all right, coming up next is Mavs Moneyball contributor Matt Phillips. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Kirk? Hit that on mute button. There you go. Yeah, sorry. It's been a minute since I've been on one of these. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, yeah, it's really important. What do you got? Yeah, it's really important that we hold on to Josh Green. He looks worse than Carlick Jones in a preseason game, but we got to hold on to him. Who's that? Uh, uh, I said it's really important that we hold on to Josh Green uh, in the draft. Oh, gosh. Can't, oh, can't man. Green. Yeah. He can't <sighs> win a preseason Poor Josh game. Green. But, you know. So, uh, in that stat post that I was looking up, one of the things I found out is that – sorry about that – Um. If That's you okay. add up all three of the Ma- if you add up all three of the Mavs draft picks last year, the minutes they played, it would have been the third fewest of any any first round pick if you added them all up as one person. And the only two people that were less were Leandro Balmoro, who did not come to the NBA, and uh, the Azabuki from Utah. Sure. So sure. Of course. It's. And we all say, like, hey, you know, the Mavs are trying to win, and there was COVID. But there was COVID for everyone else. And the Mavericks weren't the only team in the NBA that was trying to win last year. So it's not – you can't just say, hey, we were trying to win, therefore we can't get young players' minutes. Like, at some point – and this is actually one of the positives of kid. You have to let the kids play a little bit. Absolutely. It would help if the kids were good, um, which is its own separate issue. Uh, one of the things that I was going to point out um, that I found out doing that, it seems weird because a lot of us believe think of KP as a rim protector, and and his best we need him to be. But a lot of the lineup data is he's much better when he also has a rim protector behind him. The defense oh, is so much like, better. Like the actual, he is a power forward. Yeah, like it, it seems weird, but what I think it is is that because he's so huge even though he's not good on the perimeter because he is so huge, he takes up space 
And if you have him and another rim protector behind him, they can kind of make up for each other because they're both going to get beat on the perimeter. But there's always another one behind them. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but because it seems it, weird. Well, it does. It does because, I mean, I saw the Mavericks running kind of a, a switch-heavy scheme with the way that the, the Jazz were, like, driving and kicking. Um, cute your mute button, by the way. Sorry, mm-hmm. getting feedback. Um, there you go. Yeah, you know where the mute button is. Come on, Matt. Uh, just teasing. And it, the Mavericks were running, like, just – they were switching a little earlier on a lot of the drives because, I mean, just like last year, everybody was getting beat off the dribble like it was their job. Um, and I did, I, at least in the second quarter felt that the draw, like the, the, the defense was fairly active and there was just like lots of guys flying around. And so, you know, they're still going to get beat to the rim from time to time. But I, I think that in terms of a defensive scheme, if that's what kids going forward, then I can understand why he wants a secondary guy out there. My question is, is it like that secondary, like, it doesn't make any sense for that guy to be Powell. <laughs> Powell is not a shot blocker, you know? Yeah, actually, with Powell, what was weird is because with all of the the press conference and everything, is I was a little concerned that we were going to kind of minimize Luca to maximize KP. But playing Powell is actually playing entirely to Luca and minimizing KP because he doesn't help. Like Powell doesn't help KP at all. Like when we talk about who, like KP provides a lot of the strengths that you need for someone to play with Powell. But KP doesn't need anything that Powell does. I mean, yeah, Powell can be a rim runner, but that just that's where you get stuck with KP just being a floor spacer, which is not what they want. So it doesn't that didn't make a lot of sense to me. It seemed kind of counter and it seemed kind of counter to everything they were saying. Now, if it's Willie Collison or Moses or Maxi or anybody like that, then it then it does make sense to play him as a four a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I mean, part of it's like a defense offense question where I don't understand what Powell does if they do, if they try to involve KP early in the offense outside of just go stand somewhere and not draw any attention. Um, I'm sure they're going to milk KP post ups. Like, I, the more I, I think about that preseason game, I believe they're going to really make, hey, let's make KP feel good at the expense of the offense. Like, uh, Bill Simmons compared it to how the Celtics used to treat Kendrick Perkins, which I hate the comparison mainly because I think it makes sense <laughs> because if it, it, it just, uh, it frustrates me that that's the case, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, and it, 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 go ahead. What Powell will do in that. If you remember it, he hadn't done as much lately is he will stand at the three point line, be open by 15 feet and pump fake air. Like that's what he does is he stands out there and there's no, Oh, the wild, the, the gigantic, <laughs> super exaggerated Embiid pump fake with no one within 15 feet of him. That's what he does in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm curious to at least see it. I doubt we'll see it before, before the first game of the regular season. And I hate that the first game of the regular season is against the Hawks because the Hawks are just, I think the way the Hawks are built is, is to, expose every non-Luka Maverick. Um, so that might be kind of an ugly start to the year. But I don't know. we got to give it time. I mean, Kid's going to do what he's going to do. And I heard it might have been the same podcast, but some podcast I listened to said that I think, you know, 
Jason Kidd starts the season on the hot seat because if the offense gets blown up in any way, shape, or form, like if it's not top 10 in the first 15 games of the season, that's a problem. Um, but I just – I don't see it. I don't see how – because when when they started working in the second quarter and they got a little more comfortable because there's like lots of overdriving and overpassing and, and giving up good looks – when they just started kind of playing in the second, and they weren't granted they weren't taking tons of threes, but it, relative to last year at least. But I, I felt I felt that those like the units made out of like starter players worked okay. But I could be just you know rose colored glasses. Okay, I just got one more thing, and then I'm I'm gonna go ahead and hop off. Um, the with that the huh, sorry my. Uh, I have a headache right now, and it is not going well. But the Mavs were second in the league in field goal percentage at the rim last year, and they were 26th in attempts. So more attempts at the rim is not a bad thing. Like, it's good for them to attempt to get to the rim. And then from the preseason, the only thing that I'm looking for is how people move. And I thought KP, Maxi, and Luca all looked really good movement-wise. And so that's what I'm happy about because, like, we had Josh Richardson, like, killed it last year in the preseason, and we were all just in love with the idea of how things were going to go. And it's just, like, there, you that can't was the high point the preseason for Josh Richardson. Because Richardson, yeah, nobody cares. So they're moving well, and we and Luca doesn't have to wear a t-shirt. That's, I mean, that's what I'm happy about. Love it. Thanks for joining, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, coming up next. How are you, my friend? I don't want to butcher your name. Hi, Kek. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Do- uh, could could you say your name for us? Because I don't want to do the Bill Simmons thing. Oh, you mean Don Chick? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Shamarke. Shamarke, how uh, are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It's, um, I live in the UK, so it's uh, 22, well, 12 minutes to uh, 9. Yeah, so not bad, just end of a long day. So, yeah, um, okay. just two points I wanted to make. Uh, number one, I'm a big fan of the KP post-up, believe it or not. Uh, the reason why is twofold. One, indulging him on offense actually gets him more engaged on defense. The more engage, engaged he is, the better defense we play as a team, and the less we have to score. We don't have to blow our teams every night. We can just sort of just put up between one five and one ten a night, and uh, actually be able to play some of the kids um, off the bench. Uh, the second thing also is that and this is my main frustration with Mavs Twitter. Just because someone isn't good at something, right? doesn't mean you just say, you know what, we'll give up on this person and we'll just not try and develop that skill, particularly when it's something that you really need in the playoffs. Like, KP's post-up, right, has to be developed to the point where, one, he, he can actually, you know, uh, score on, you know, the guards and just all of the sort of uh, smaller wings. Number one, number two, you also got it get it to a point that's respectable enough it actually draws double teams and he can start pass, passing to uh, Doncic and the other shooters uh, out of the post so uh, what I would say just patience, just have patience to the fans and uh, just hopefully he ends up kind of developing it because when you're that big you don't need to be MB you don't need to have like amazing footwork just figure out a way to get closer to the basket be able to seal off the defender and score so a lot of that is technique and practice based well you're correct in abstract. It's just challenging as 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 a fan myself to say, okay, man, who makes thirty million dollars a year and is in is in his approaching seventh season? Why are we teaching you basic basketball skills? Now, I think a lot of what KP does, where he makes mistakes, is he over 
it's like he over-processes. There were some fun moments in the fan jam, uh, which I know is just like a glorified scrimmage, where he got the ball, took one dribble, and scored. Like, there was no pro- – like, there was no, like, steps and things that he had to do. I mean, in the first preseason game, he had two turnovers and post-ups and then got stripped on a third. And that sort of stuff, like – it goes both ways because I 100% agree. Keeping him engaged is key to his defensive give a shit. And it's, it's just so evident when he was engaged and really in the preseason game, he was super engaged. He had two blocks. He was kind of moving. He was moving around the perimeter in a way that he just did not do last year. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. I just don't know. Like some of these things are, if, I, and this is conspiracy theory type stuff here, but if, if he had like, if his first team had been the Pacers, no one would be talking about him like a unicorn because he has these like 10 game stretches where he looks incredible. And then there's the other 72 games you have to make it through. And I, I just, they have to find some balance with him. And I think that the first half or first probably quarter of the season is going to be really figuring out how to get the best out of him. If he's healthy, then maybe he can give them um, a little bit of what he gave them in the bubble. I don't, he doesn't need to be a 25-game-a-night guy. He needs to be, you know, 18-9 and nine with the ability to go off every fifth game and score 35 points when Luka's not having a night. I mean, he's certainly very talented. It's not a question of that. I just wish – I just I, – I have always just wished that, that he made more simple movements because, like you said, he's enormous – and being enormous is a skill you can't teach, and I wish he would leverage that more often. Yeah, I, I think the worst thing to have ever happened to him is KD, you know, being a fan of him because that unicorn <laughs> name is just so brutal. Honestly, it's literally the worst because the expectation is for him to essentially be amazing every night when he's just a very good basketball player, but not... Right, he's very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get too hard on him because, and that's what, you know, what day was it? Wednesday was just a, was such a striking view because like he, I just don't, the last time he moved like that was a different calendar year. I mean, it's been a while and I was just, I'm pleased and I'm trying not to overreact to it um, because you know, the one thing that the 1920 season, so two years ago, the Mavs defense was so much better because he was anchoring it and trying to key. And if they can, if they can get, an approximation of that style performance, then I, I I don't see how the Mavericks, you know, win any fewer than 50 games. Yeah, just kind of final point, and uh, thanks for letting me on here. Um, what I would say is I would definitely preach sort of like just patience and pragmatism in the sense that if he's good, you know, the team is better. We're able to trade him for value. We can bring bring someone who can sort of fit better with Luca and get us to the next step, which is actually challenging for a championship mm-hmm. show. Just let's just hope things work out. And uh, yeah, just like just look, give it more long. Love it. I agree because I think I, I've mentioned this on on previous shows, but I can't escape the fact that part of why the Mavericks keep rolling out like the same group of guys for the third straight year is they're trying to recapture the start of the 1920 season where they blew everyone out on offense. They started 16 and five and then injuries just sort of started to happen. And then, you know, they, they make it to January 20th. I think it was 2020. And that was when Porzingis first came back after a long, like there's like the other knee problem that we never really knew what happened. He ended up getting injections. That first game back was when Powell blew his Achilles and Everything since has been – it wasn't bad. They obviously made the playoffs twice. 
it's, I think there's just been, been a lot of stretching to try to connect back to that like sort of output. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I'm really kind of feeling bullish. It's one preseason game. Um, I, I, you know, I'm trying not to overreact everything that Jason Kidd says, because that's just kind of the job of the coach to, to react to comments and questions. And as long as they win basketball games, how they win basketball games is kind of tertiary. So, all right. It's been about a half hour. Uh, we don't have anybody else waiting to ask questions. Just so everybody knows, we will go live after the game. Josh and I, or me and someone, will record a post game, and then I will uh, put out a call on this, and we can overreact to playing the Clippers. And hopefully, as I, uh, hopefully the Mavericks will get a, a win on their home court against the Clippers. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for joining, even if it was just for a short one. Um, hope you guys have a good day, and we will talk soon.